Okay. Okay. So just in your own mind, we'll just do this, uh, you know, just as a practice run. So if you just um, close your eyes, say to yourself, I feel alert. Yes, it's true. I feel alert. Just in your own space. Then when you're ready, open your eyes. Want to welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Gather podcast. I'm your host Zeke, and in this episode, I have Wendy Nash to speak about the art introspection. I like to give a content warning for you. Let me do this episode and hope you have a nice day and enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ezekiel. It's very lovely to be here. Before I start, mm-hmm. I just want to say um, thank you for the warm welcome. It's really appreciated. One of the things that is traditional in Australia, um, particularly for the Aboriginal communities, but it's become a, um, more common in the broader community, is to recognise the land that we're calling from because this is Aboriginal land and um, the, the people here have been caring for, for that land for 70,000 years, making sure it's functioning and well and connected and um, respectful and uh, good stewardship. And it's not until we know where we've come from that we can sort of feel present where we are and know where we're going to. And I just think it's really important to respect the people who have been caring for the place where it's come from, where we are now, which is pretty trashed, (laughs) and where we're going to. Oh, dear, it's a crash and burn. But (laughs) that's what I like to do. So, um, yeah, thank you. I'm calling from Gabby Gabby country. That's the other thing. Nice. Take that moment and cool. So now we can get started. So before okay. uh, we ask some of the questions, uh, I'd like to introduce yourself to the audience real quick and then we get started. Okay. So, yes. Uh, did you, did you, you want to mm-hmm. ask me a question or? Oh, no, I'll say I'll let you um, introduce yourself to the audience real quick. Okay, if you just yeah. introduce myself. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, so my name's Wendy Nash. I'm in uh, Australia on the East Coast. So we're East Coast to East Coast. Um, and I, it's a very, it's winter here. So it's July and it's winter and it's absolutely raining. I'm sure you heard about the bushfires and now we've got floods. So it's pretty full on. Um, I, I dropped out of school. I had a very chaotic school life. I failed miserably. Um, I had very difficult family circumstances. My a couple of my family members died. Um, yeah, it wasn't a supportive, warm environment. It wasn't it wasn't like brutally violent or anything like that? But it was certainly I didn't feel secure and warm in that place. Um, and I think there were a few things that were really important to me that I saw. One is I was walking along as a, as a kid, and I saw the church on the side and and it said Jesus loves everyone and I thought I feel deeply unloved Jesus is one person I'm one person I'm going to find a way to love everybody so I didn't have very good emotional skills and resources and things Um, so I was not I had quite a bit of a temper 
quite a lot of anger. I had quite a lot of PTSD, basically complex PTSD. And so I had to work through all that over time um, and it was not straightforward. Um, and But I, I kept going um, and I kind of, I wasn't really that interested in a career, but I got it, I just got work in order to keep the rest of my life going. And I ended up living in Sweden and France and England. And I just tried to figure out who I was by going to lots of different places to see how I was when I wasn't with people who were expecting me to be in a particular way. They weren't interacting with me in a particular way. So I really wanted to figure out who I was. Was I what all these people were saying? Was I coming up against the same problems? And I wanted to kind of find a way to love everybody. So I did lots of, um, I, did, I was a secretary for 30 years and anybody who is a secretary is not doing that job because it's a fun job to do. It's do, they're doing it because there's kind of no alternative. And that applies anything in a support role or the service industry. Like if people had a choice, that's not what they would be doing. Always be really kind to people in the service industries and support services. Um, so I, but you know, like lots of people, I, I thought I had it together. I got married. I did what I thought everyone said was going to make me happy. And it didn't make me happy. I didn't feel settled. I didn't know who I was. I couldn't figure out my path. I didn't want a career. I didn't want to, like, I just felt very disorientated by, by what I thought everybody was telling me I should do. And I just didn't know. And um, in the end, of course, I saw a counsellor and uh, basically I just thought, I don't know who I am. I need to explore this. And I did a big personal development journey and I just, just thought, well, what can I do that's different? And the one thing that was really I heard that made a lot of really good sense was the one common denominator in all my relationships is me. So if I'm having a repeated experience which is crappy, that's because I'm doing something which is not working. So then I would really kind of, I asked in my, my therapist, you know, what am I doing that's not right? And she was very skillful. Very gently she kind of helped me learn a different way to be. So through that, I learned meditation and I learned some really good questions about how, really good ways of exploring internally how to find my own voice. So I'm happy to run through that and how to build rapport because that's what I really needed to do. So I, I'm happy to share that with you now if that works or if you wanted to go on or if you had questions about what I've just said. Uh, we can definitely talk on that. So with like, all those feelings and like not knowing what's next and just feeling lost. What's kind of like that motivator? Because a lot of times we all feel like that. You all trying to work our way through, but like a lot of times in that in those emotions, there doesn't seem like a way out. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a way out, but there is a way out because it's not always the same. Like when you like, if you think about it, your day from the time you get up, you know, you wake up 
to the time you go to bed. You go through all these different moods and some people seem to bring out the magic in you and then some people bring out the poo in you. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and it's really like, well, it's not about the other person. It's sort of what you've got inside of you that is being triggered by the events of the people around you. So starting to notice when it arises, what's the context and when it's not. So, um, and the truth is, you know, like you change as a person. Like what I really came to is you do change if you apply yourself. It's not going to change on your own. It's like if you go to the gym or you take up, I don't know, a sport or singing or writing or reading, you know, anything, this radio podcast, you know, you kind of get better at it as you go because you um, you learn different things. So you're always in a state of change and you can either make that a really conscious decision or you can just let yourself be a passive writer in that. But whatever you do forms a neural pathway, for lack of a better word, for what happens next. So the more you get angry, the more you're going to get angry because those neural pathways are going to be more sort of embedded. The more you kind of own your own feelings, the more integrated you feel in that, the more integrated and and connected you feel to others. So it's not about, you know, just be happy or change your approach. You've really got to own the feelings. That's, that is that. But it, it can change. It does change. I used to have a foul temper and, um, I, you know, I just don't. I got a bit cranky yesterday and then when I sat down with it, I just thought actually that person was talking to me as if I was like a painting on the wall and she was telling me about her glorious life. And, of course, what would I want to do? I'd want to thump someone like that. You know, like who wouldn't? So it's not like I'm going to, but I just got really irritated by her because I felt kind of used as an object in her world and I didn't like that feeling. So I don't know if I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but, um, yeah, what do you think? I get it. It's like that thing where it's like, did you have a bad day or did you just have a bad morning of like, are you letting your happy morning dictate your whole day now that you are mad from there, then you're having a bad mood. So anything else is just adding towards it. Yeah, exactly. But you've got to own it. So with that woman yesterday, um, she wanted to build a friendship with me actually. And I, you know, I'm obviously not going to do that. Um, but what I, I did afterwards is like, wow, I'm kind of riled up here. And so I, I've got this technique with any problem I've got where I feel a bit confused or out of sorts. And this is one of the things that I learned that I was thinking I mean, this would be useful is I, as I kind of bring to mind the problem and I go, what am I not seeing about this? And then I just get on with my day, go, I don't need to foster and, you know, fester on it. I just sit there and I get really engaged with it, get engaged with life. And then a, uh, then a couple of hours later I went, I felt really used. I felt like an object in her world that she was kind of gloating, you know. So that that's what came up. So that, that question, what am I not seeing about this? is really good because that kind of gets behind the habitual thinking 
and gives you an opportunity to see something fresh. I'm sure you've had that thing where you're like working really hard, you're trying to figure it out, and then you go away and you do something and then the idea just clicks. You go, ah, that's what I need to do. That's what it's doing, but it's really setting up that space to do that. So it's being really conscious about it rather than waiting for it to happen. Got it. Definitely makes sense. Yeah. And now we can move on to building rapport with people. Yeah. So I, you know, I was really terrible at getting on with people. And it was really interesting with that woman yesterday because she actually does a lot of healing work. So she works with people to transform their world. And it was really like, it just goes to show it's not about the job, you know. And what I didn't realise for a long time is that you have to, there's a, there's a couple of things. So say someone comes to you and they go, hi, how are you going? Or you've got a you know, podcast or something like that. You have a podcast. And, um, you know, here's, here's the, the problem or something. And, and, they, and you go, ah, tell me more about that. So if you just start with tell me more about whatever it is, it gives the person, the other person, the opportunity. A, it says, oh, this person's interested in what I've got to say. They're actually interested in me. And the other thing is it gives the speaker, you, the, an opportunity to just take a breather. So this is really good if somebody comes to you and they're a bit upset and they might go, oh, I had this really bad interaction with so-and-so. And then you can go, oh, tell me more about that. And it just gives you a, a moment to pause and to just slow down instead of getting caught up with a reaction, which is kind of what we want to do. So tell me more about what's going on for you. Tell me more about what bothered you. Tell me more about the problem you've got. Tell me more about how things life is going for you. So it's just a really good, nice opener. And then... And then once they've talked about it, you go, what I hear you care about is. So with this person yesterday, you know, I'm telling my partner and and one thing he could have said was, what I hear you care about is yearning for connection, that that she was interested in your world. It doesn't really matter kind of, you don't have to get the feelings i think sometimes when we're looking for feelings it can be a bit intrusive particularly in a workplace but even with couples you know and it's sort of not really the key thing it's really about what does this person actually care about what's important to them here and it's a way of saying i'm getting what is important for you you really care about good communications good friendships quality connections whatever it may be Um, so that's the second one and as you wind up the conversation the third one is um, I you know what's your sense of things or how do you feel about that or what are your thoughts about what's the next step forward you can choose any of those or all of them depends on how you know like if you've got a partner and you've got a big problem you can just always ask those questions about what's your sense of the next path what's your sense of what the issue is here you know how do you feel about our conversation so far what are your thoughts about you know how we're connecting it's a nice round nice open thing 
And some questions that are really bad, um, it's actually always the first letter, so the, the first word, and that is don't ask a question that starts with why. Why did you do that podcast? Why did you ask me that question? It has an accusatory tone to it. And it also like, well, I did it because, you know, my star sign said it was, or, you know, I was in a bad mood or like, it's, it's not really a helpful question syntax. Another one to not ask is, do, do you think or would you say? Because that's really narrowing it down to what the asker is saying. Like that's actually shifting the conversation over to my side as the questioner. That's that. Another one to not ask is, is or are? If it starts with is or are, because they're closed questions. So, any, so if you just stick to what or how or where, they're great openers. And if you just ask those questions in a day and hardly anybody asks a question, you, you try and track how many questions are in a day and it's like you'll be lucky to get three. It's very interesting. So if you want to kind of really build rapport with people and make them feel connected and supported, that's actually all you need to do. It's not more complicated than that. It's super easy. And I just wish I had known that when I was 20, I would have had so many fewer problems at work, in relationships, with friendships, with family. And it was my lack of capacity to, I just didn't know that, that it was as simple as that, basically. I can definitely see that of like asking questions that lets the person explain, but not but let them freely explain, not tell them, like, hey, what? Because why is always like, there's a reason, and you're the, like, a lot of times it could be you're the cause of the reason. Right. Yeah. So you really get it. So, yeah. you know, I can really hear that you're trying to kind of synthesize what is the essence here. I can really hear that, you know, you're trying to, yeah, to get to really get to the number of the matter. Yeah. Because, um, um, Earlier, I was watching somebody on TikTok saying like they were having trouble speaking with people because when they got to questions like how people would ask questions to figure each other out and like start a conversation, they would just do like a questionnaire like here's the answer and that's it. This is the answer is just the end of the um sentence, not like okay now what about you or what anything like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, you do actually have to inquire about the other person. So that's what was so strange about the conversation yesterday that I had with this person. She wanted to become my friend and she came to my house. I showed her around. She made no observation comment about, oh, you've made it, you've only moved here recently. Look how homely it is. Or that's an interesting painting or, or whatever. Oh, you've got lots of books. What books do you read? Nothing of that. We sat outside. It was really cold because it's winter here. And, well, a bit cold for us, not by New York standards. Um, and she, there was a garden. She just made, I have a business. She had made no inquiry into that. So you do actually have to make an effort. But my sense of those kinds of conversations, that like my normal conversation, like that is that people will generally reciprocate. But I'd have to say I couldn't get a word in edgeways because she was just talking about herself. So it was really difficult, hard work. I could have shift gears, but I just, after a while, I just thought, I don't even like you. So, yeah. <laughs> a lot of times better to save the energy and then just let things happen and then be like, okay, cool, never again. Yeah. 
And, you know, if she says, oh, look, I'd love to catch up again, it's like, oh, look, I've just got a few things on. I'm really sorry. I've got a few. And if she persists, I'll just go, look, I'm really sorry. But I, we sat for two hours and I just, I didn't feel that you were really that interested in my life. And, you know, I, I do think it's at some level she might get all, you know, grumpy and crappy with me, whatever. But at least she's got an answer. Then she can go, okay, well, maybe there's some truth to that. And she can inquire. If you don't say anything, never know. Yeah. And you said something else besides inquiring. It was, I forgot, it was the earlier. So what am I not seeing about that? That one? Or? Oh, I can't remember. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I guess we All can right. go on, move on to why I'm not seeing about that. Because I think that's a lot of times with me, I'm always like, the solution's here, but I can't to see I'm too focused on the problem. Right, right. So you're you're kind of like got this thing happening in your mind and it's it's like the problem focus is taking up too much energy. And so you need to kind of sort of think more broadly, widely or something like that. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Also- also to be like more creative with the dark process of like not just following the um, standard. Exactly. So I can go into a little bit about the mind, how the mind works, because I've been meditating for 20 years and I'd have to say I focus on loving kindness meditation. I'm going to give a really good technique that I wish I'd known. I'd sort of had quite, I mean, I had, you know, I was traumatized and I was depressed and I was sad and I felt really isolated and lonely because I had all these like emotional problems and in, interpersonal problems and oh, I just had lots of crap to deal with, you know. And um, so one of, there's a couple of things I'm going to, a couple of techniques which I think were, I wish I had known then, what I know now kind of things. But basically um, one is to spend the, spend like if you were to think about, yes, yeah, this time yesterday, what were you doing? This time yesterday? Yep. Uh, what did I do yesterday? I went outside, ran some airings. And okay, just, home. okay. So you went outside. It's New York. Is it quite warm? Is the sun nice or is it quite harsh? Uh, it was cool yesterday. Very cool. So, so is that good or bad? Uh, it's good. It's good. Okay. <laughs> so so um, with when you went outside to just kind of notice, ah, oh, the sun feels nice today, actually. It feels really pleasant. It's not too hot. It's not too sticky. It doesn't feel like I'm enjoying this and notice that you're enjoying it. And it's not a problem to enjoy. I think we can feel guilty for enjoying something, but actually it's really nice to enjoy. You know, when you've met somebody and they're in a great spirit and they're full of life and how nice that is. Yeah. And so the more often you can think about what is pleasant, which is not to say you have to ignore the fact that things are crappy, you know, like if it's boiling hot, like that's not very nice. So you go, yeah, well, this is a bit crap actually. So, but if it's pleasant, notice that it's pleasant. And with the errands that you ran, did was that to help anybody in any way? Was it, was it anybody asking for your help at all? Was it something to do with a, a relationship that maybe you wanted to feel like it was a good thing to do or something like that? I was pretty much accompanying my mother, just running, helping her. Right. Okay. So with your mum, 
um, she she um, she has spent a lot of time helping you in life. She's taken a lot of time, thoughtfulness, care about what you like to eat, what you like to wear, not so much now, but certainly as a little boy, um, which sort of friends are good friends to have, who to steer clear of. I gather for black people in, in the US, it's, you know, be careful of the police. This is what you do, is the talk, I think you call it. Um, so there's all these like really important moments of care and thoughtfulness that other people make for you. So in this instance, it's your mum. And did she cook your dinner yesterday or lunch or anything? No. No? Okay. Did you did you make her lunch or dinner or anything like that? No, we just bought lunch and we were just... Uh-huh. Right. But you... She went to a place and you went to a place which would be mutually enjoyable. Yeah. Like you wouldn't have gone to a place and she wouldn't have chosen a place if if it hadn't been something that you both went, actually, you know what, I think we'll both enjoy this place. So it's like you're both thinking about the other person's well-being in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so you came back together, you enjoyed each other, and I'm sure if you passed by something, you you either one would have gone, hey, look at that. Did you see that? That's really cool. Or, wow, that's kind of a bit offbeat there. You're nonetheless thinking of the other person, engaging with their reality, and wanting the other person to be well and to be to kind of enjoy life more. Is it, do, do you get where I'm going with yeah. this? And you can do that with anything. So it can be about... Uh, you know, like um, some even in the workplace, somebody says, oh, look, I saw this and I thought you would be the right person for this job. Now, that means that they think they have you in high esteem or, in, you know, in good esteem anyway. They, they think this person has something that I think has value. And it's not to say, whoa, you know, like I'm really an amazing person because I've got this amazing thing happening. It's just going, wow, that person thought of me in a kind way. That's really a nice thing to to do. If I had just thought more about the kind ways that people are and less about how suspicious, what's their motivation, why are they doing that, they didn't do this, I wanted that. So that's how I was before. And if I had just focused on how much thoughtfulness other people were making about me, I would have had a much happier life. Bosses, colleagues, boyfriends family, all that sort of stuff. And the other thing that I think is really important is when we have a really crappy day and, um, you know, we're having, we're having a tough time and like yesterday with this woman, I just use it as an example because I just think it's, it's fresh and, and that's, that's that. And we all have, I generally get on well with people, but we all have our bad moments, yeah. So the other thing is that when you're having a really crappy time of things is just to really figure out what is the emotion. Like I couldn't figure out with this woman yesterday kind of how I felt because it was sort of like she was a lovely person. She was kind. She was softly spoken. She was. She had a lot of interesting things to say. She transformed a lot of her life around. So I couldn't figure out why I was so bothered. And so what I did apart from, you know, what am I not seeing about this is to go, 
what's the emotion I'm feeling here? And I just went, I feel used. That was actually what came up. And then what I do in that moment is I just go, I feel used. Yes, it's true. I feel used. And by doing that, I find that the resistance to feel that just dissipates. My body can hold it and I I just feel like, okay, it's okay to feel that. My body has the capacity to manage that. So do you feel a bit nervous or a bit, what do you feel at the moment? Uh, me, I'm just keeping track of everything. Mostly like I'm not being like nervous. It's more of a being alert, I would say. Alert. Okay. So just in your own mind, we'll just do this, uh, you know, just as a practice run. So if you just um, close your eyes, say to yourself, I feel alert. Yes, it's true. I feel alert. Just in your own space. Then when you're ready, open your eyes. I feel alert. Yes, it's true. I feel alert. You can just say that to yourself. It feels a little bit less weird. And how do you feel in your body now in your mind? Um, a little calmer, like I took a pause. Right. It's really, and look, that took all of about four seconds. I mean, a little bit extra because it was a bit of a teething issue. But if you're really pissed off with somebody or really hurt, whatever, and or you're just feeling a bit jangled by something and you're going, what is the emotion here? And then when the emotion arises, you just go, I feel sad. Yes, it's true. I feel sad. You can just do that to yourself on the bus, on the wherever. Uh, you can do that in a meeting. And then, and then it just is like, ah, okay, I don't have to be afraid of this feeling. It's okay. And your whole energy is more able to engage. So I wish I'd learned that one when I was 20. Like, yeah, lots of stuff like that. So I hope that's, I hope your people find that a useful one. Because um, I just don't want anybody to kind of mess up their lives in the same way that I did. You know, it's much more resourced now than it used to be. So, yeah. Definitely. And now I guess we can transition to what you're doing currently in terms of working career. Yeah. So um, I hated being a secretary. I think I already mentioned <laughs> that. And um, I got to my 50s and like a lot of people in their 50s, I didn't know where to go. Like I couldn't get a job. I was really sick of the job and I just, um, I couldn't get it. I wasn't motivated. I didn't feel engaged with it. And one of the things that I thought about actually in relation to being white and having the white privilege is that because everything is provided for us on a, a red carpet you know like we just walk in and we get it you know like I really I really know this we're completely unable to find our feet if there's no red carpet we don't have the skills and um and it's the first time in our 50s we kind of have to figure it out on our own so I I got there and I just thought wow this is actually what it's like for anybody who's not white it's like, oh, I don't have that privilege anymore. It was very instructive for me. Um, and so I just, a friend said he wanted help with work-life balance. Uh, somebody else said they wanted help with um, med learning to meditate. 
and they both happen to be people who are starting their businesses. So I just decided I would focus on people who start their businesses and teach them meditation and work-life balance. So that's what I do. And I just basically unpack a lot of their uh, emotional stuff. So it's a bit like counselling. But I'm really interested in getting people resourced to meditate. Because if you, if you meditate, it's free. You can do it anywhere. But it just takes a bit of time to, to get the routine in place because people kind of sit down and they go, wow, the mind is crazy. And they've never heard that voice before. So they get really freaked out by it. I know the first time I was like, ah, I just, I couldn't, I could barely even contain myself. I, I had to leave the room, the, the meditation hall all those years ago because I was just so freaked out. I'll tell you a funny story about the first time I did meditation. It was loving kindness meditation. Got to the end of the thing and, and the instructor said, so how did you how did you go with that? And I said, wow, I didn't realise I hated everyone. <laughs> it made me realise that the problem then wasn't other people. The problem was with me. So that was a really big thing which kind of stopped me in my tracks actually. So I teach people to meditate so that they can get feel so much resourced, they're calmer in their work, they're calmer in their relationships, they're nicer to themselves, they live more balanced lives, they feel more, I guess, for lack of a better word, inward, inwardly generous and therefore outwardly generous. The more you kind of own your own emotional landscape, you are more familiar with it, the more emotionally available you can be with another. And that's what it's about. So that's what stops the loneliness. It's actually how well are we connecting at the emotional level. But you can't do that until you know what your own emotions are. Yeah. So that's what I do. I work with, with entrepreneurs to, to help them set up a meditation practice. And by the way, a completely non-meditation practice, but the best, easiest way to make yourself more cheerful is to drink two litres of water a day. Now, my understanding is a litre is about a quart. So uh, if you drink two quarts a day, eight glasses, that that and you can drink hot water so so i drink i've got some mugs here and each one of them is 250 mils eight ounces and uh if you just put four mugs in front of you in the morning and you do that after lunch that's two liters and it means that every time you're a bit thirsty you just have a gulp and then that's that so that's a simple way to just feel more upbeat and cheerful um happy yeah so that's it that's what i do and uh, I've just, I found it, I've stopped hating people now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can definitely see that. Again, on TikTok, somebody who's like a boss took him out. Their workers asked him when the next time they go going golfing. He asked why, because like he's nicer after he goes golfing. So I made him sit down and realize that he needs time to separate from the business to not be as stressed. So then not, not accidentally um, leave that stress onto his workers. Right, right. That's it. Golfing is a bit of a privileged sport, I would have thought. But it was nice that that he so he was actually curious about that. Yeah. And that's the key. There's no way a boss would have a subordinate would have come up and said, you know, you're just so much better at after you've gone golfing 
because you're kind of horrible the rest of the time. He became curious about why they sort of, he noticed there was some kind of encouragement. Well, what is that about actually? Well, actually I'm a bit of a pillock the rest of the time, you know. So, but, but it's that curiosity to inquire. That's the meditation part. Yeah. It's about becoming aware of what we feel. It's not about suppressing a feeling or saying, I shouldn't be angry or anything. It's just about owning the anger, seeing that we are angry, and then owning that so then we don't scatter it around everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Because for me, I usually, when I get mad, I usually like to separate because I know that I'm going to react more in anger yep. than I'm going to, like, generally react normally. So I just, like, give myself time to, like, calm down, just, like, okay, here's my emotions, and then, okay, now, for, now I understand what's going on. Now I got to react to everybody else normally. Yeah, right. And so the, like, yeah, so if you've got a bit of a temper like I I used to, I can say it does change. Now I'm aware that in the US, it, you know, as a black person, I've heard, I just hear this on the thing, so I apologise if I'm speaking out of turn or, or inappropriately or anything, but I hear it's pretty intense, the racism, and it's often very oblique, so you can't quite figure out if it's true or not. Sometimes it is, you know, people are overtly. And in some ways, as horrible as that is, at least you know what you've got. But when people are a little bit weird, like I once was in a workplace and I just went, ah, oh, this is weird. And I went into the Buddhist centre in the evening and I just went, oh, ah, oh, this is so nice, and I felt accepted. And it made me think about, I know um, African-American communities are very Christian. There's a very, the church is very, very important. And I thought, yeah, if basically you're being harassed and harangued the rest of your time, you go into a place where people are lovely and warm and happy to see you, and you can expend some of that energy singing and, uh, you know, like, why wouldn't you? And... And it made me really understand at an internal sense what racism could be like. I just felt like no one said anything, but I could feel it and I just knew it was there. So, I mean, I'm, it wasn't because of racism. It was just they didn't, they were just weird people and they didn't like me. I'm totally adorable. <laughs> but I felt very judged in that instance. So that's what I guess I'm saying. It's like that tension in the air that you can't put your finger on, but you know that something's up. Exactly. And you know there's some BS bitching behind them, whatever, and they're all kind of in some clique. Girls are pretty nasty like that. So, yeah. Yeah, but exactly like that. Yeah. And working with people, how did the reaction to, like, the first meditation to, like, this whole new way of thinking? So in the beginning, people are just like, oh, my God, my mind is crazy. Sorry, I blaspheme. My mind is crazy. So um, I get people to sit down in the evening and just before they go to bed and uh, on their phone, I get them to do one minute, you know, put it on airplane mode. And then I set the time, get them to set the time up for one minute. And they're like, one minute, really? Like, that's nothing. And I'm like, you'd be surprised how long a minute is and then I just get people to breathe you know just to notice the sensations of the breath and I get people to do one minute for a week 
And the following week, it's two minutes. The following week, it's three minutes. Now, I've got some clients who have been at five minutes for about three months. It's kind of crazy. And once people get to five minutes, I get them to start thinking about what are the kind things that were that were pleasant. I'm a bit funny about the gratefulness movement because it's like, you should be grateful you're on the minimum wage. At least I've got a job. You know, like that's really terrible. Do you know what I mean? So um, I, I really, I'm actually really weird about the gratefulness movement. But if you just look for the kindness that is there anyway, there's nothing to be grateful for. There's no compassion. There's no doing. All you're doing is noticing, changing focus. So that that's that's what works really well i find um yeah and here's one just because here's something else which i think is really helpful it's not meditation but i think it's a really good book it's called smart work by dermot crowley and that's all about managing your email account at work so there's a lot of emails that people get in you probably get a lot of emails for this podcast and it tells you how to manage the email, the number of the volume, just the sheer volume of emails. It tells you how to navigate that, how to plan your week so you're really effective in using and how you use your time. So I think that's the best book on that. It's called Smart Work and it's by Dermot Crowley. He's an Irish guy, but he's from Sydney. So he's in Sydney, yeah. So that, that I think is really helpful to all those things but yeah look if people want to get in touch um i'm at kindlycutthecrap.com so (laughs) kindlycutthecrap.com and i'm happy to just if people have a an inquiry they just uh want to find out just some simple strategies doesn't have to get caught up in anything i'm happy to just give them you know an opportunity to to learn um have you know i'm just i just want everybody to feel loved and happy and well so if that's what people would find helpful just feel free to get in touch my i've got a contact box there so yeah it's the best way to do it off topic so it's winter for you guys right now yeah and it's summer for us okay yeah yeah but i mean it's july so by the time this goes to air in october um it'll be spring for us and then winter will fall for us. And, and it'll be autumn for you guys, yeah. So you'll be looking at everything and I'll be going, I'll be having a lovely summer ahead and you'll be going, oh, there's that snow again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Got it. And before I forget, so I meant to ask earlier, but the, your, what would your origin story be and how would you like to represent it? origin story so i don't know that term actually so if you can just explain for me what that term is then i'll tell you what my origin (laughs) story is so if we think so for like superheroes is usually like their story of how they became like the hero that they are the the, um so they went to so when i ask that of people sometimes people give me like their background like you did earlier but like how they got to where they are and then sometimes people make up a story like a fun story, little story about. So. You know, I'm seriously someone who lacks imagination. You know, I have this fantasy of being a really good, like, narrator <laughs> of wonderful stories and things like that. But I guess, you know, I'm kind of a drama queen at the best of times. <laughs> so I kind of love to live with flourish. Um, I think what is my story, my origin story? I, I think I, basically I was wrong 
like I had this idea, no one loved me growing up and it was all hard up. And, you know, there's there's certainly some truth to that, that it was pretty, there were some, some difficult, cold, heartless moments and people in my life. There's no choice about that. But actually I'm, I'm wrong more often than I'm right. And I would say my origin story is realising, I guess from a superhero perspective, I am Ms. What, what is it? You had Wonder Woman. What would you, I win wrong woman. I am always wrong. <laughs> and so I just really enjoy kind of getting it wrong. And I really enjoy the fact that um, somebody asked me once, you know, would you rather be right or be happy? And I was like, well, I'll be happy when I'm right. So and then and then I started to really query that and I realized it's actually so much better to just be wrong and to take it as an opportunity to learn. And, uh, you know, I had this thing where I was like really head up about being right about it. And then I thought, well, okay. so um, and I'll do this with you if you're okay with it. Okay, take a topic that is your big favorite thing in the whole big wide world. So music, got some people talking music or a software or whatever it is, your your number one big favorite most researched thing that you is your bag. What is that? Say anime. Anime? Okay. Out of if you think about anime all over the world, okay, and you if someone were to ask you about this particular thing, if you about anime, as a percentage of all the anime in the world, what would you be unequivocally 100% sure that you would absolutely be right? It was non-negotiable that you would be right. As a percentage out of 100 of all anime in the world, how big would that percentage be? You like 10%? Yeah, that's right. And then you'd probably have a good hunch of about 30%. You know, chances are you'd be on the right track for that. Yeah. yeah. And so we're talking about 40% chance you're either right or probably right, which means that 60% of the time there's a really good chance you're clueless, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you don't have all the bits and pieces in your, you know, in your knowledge and the context and people and people are weird, you know, like I don't even know myself, let alone anybody else. So there's like a really good chance of that you're going to be wrong anyway. So why get so caught up about trying to prove I am right? I had it came from a very self-righteous, opinionated family. And so it was like, oh, I can just be wrong. And actually my life is a heap happier. I just go, oh, yeah, I was wrong about that. Okay, well, who cares? You know, like the pun was supposed to come this morning and I rang her up and like, oh, I haven't turned up. Actually, your day is tomorrow. Oh, okay, right. Well, I'm wrong about that. There you go. And she had a laugh, you know. Oh, there you go. And and it just makes life so much easier when we're willing to be wrong. And so I kind of am a superhero of wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and how would you like to represent that? Would you make a book about that, a uh, TV show, movie? You know, I love the idea of doing a superhero, having like all these people go around like a sort of a superhero and a wrong, you know, you'd have to have something kind of ill-fitting or kind of goofy and then just have them just go around and going, wow, I was wrong about that. How good's that? I'm going to learn something, you know. So I think some kind of goofy superhero who was just always wrong, badly dressed, uh, something like that. I think that would be 
that would be what, what I would like. You know, they've got like a Mr. Gadget. Did you have Mr. Gadget? Inspector yeah. Gadget? Yeah. That? So you can have Inspector Gadget, but everything malfunctions. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think would be my superhero. I love that. That's a great question. Thanks. Running close to time, so I guess the last question is, what would you name your origin story, Mr. Vaughn, Mrs. Vaughn, Mr. Vaughn? Yeah, something like that. What do you reckon? Yeah. Let's or, gather together to be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. What would you call it? <laughs> Misadventures of Super Wrong? I don't know. Yeah, that's great. I love that. The misadventures of Mr. Wrong. Ms. Wrong. Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining the podcast. That's my pleasure, Ezekiel. It's been a lot of fun. You are that superhero <laughs> question. I love that. <laughs> and I hope I didn't talk too much or rant off no, no. in many directions. So it was great. It was lovely. Thank you very much. Welcome. And you always say that where I can find you. So we could we, we did that. And we can sign off. Okay, great. That brings another episode of the Last Guy Podcast to a close. Again, I'd like to thank Wendy Nath for being a guest on the podcast. For next week, I have Bill and Karen Dresto to speak about Chubby Beagle Productions. Hope you're doing that day, and I hope to see you there. <laughs> <laughs>